welcome to the Wolverine 24-7 podcast, your audio source for everything football, basketball, and recruiting uh, here in Michigan. Things are starting to pick up. The practice will be starting within a week. Barbecue at the Big House will be starting uh, just in a couple days as well. So it should be starting to get some actual news to be able to report on rather than speculation. Uh, of course, I'm the host, Zach Shaw. Joining me on the phones are Steve Lorenz and Isaiah Hull. You can read all of our stories at michigan.247sports.com. We've been writing up a storm as practice gets near. We had Big Ten Media Days earlier this week, so plenty to talk about. Uh, glad these guys can join us. We'll start, of course, as we have kind of kind of become accustomed to. We'll start with the, the only drinking question that we got this week, <laughs> and that will be uh, from Emgo Thomas. So he, he had our, his first post last week. Now he's back again. He said, what has been your guys' favorite Michigan alumni-affiliated bar outside of Ann Arbor? for watching Michigan sports with other fans. And and I know Steve will have uh, his soapbox in, in just a moment. I will say I've never been to a Michigan-affiliated bar, I, at least to my knowledge. I did, when I went to Chicago, I stayed for a few days beforehand, kind of as a mini vacation I, place I stayed with my friends. It was right around the corner of Duffy's Bar, and that seems like a really cool place. They have this deal, all you can eat and all you can drink for 20 bucks. Uh, it seemed like really, really fun place to watch sports a little bit calmer, and, and I know Steve has opinions about that. Isaiah, you have spent some time in other states and outside of Ann Arbor. What tops the list for you? Uh, mine's a little bit outdated at this point because it is not uh, currently, I don't even know if it's a restaurant there anymore, but uh, back in 2011 when I lived in, uh, when I actually had more like 2009, when I lived in Los Angeles, went to this uh, bar called South, and uh, that was the Alumni Association affiliated bar for Michigan and the entire Los Angeles area. Uh, that was pretty awesome. Uh, I remember uh, being there for Tate Forcier's first game there in 2009. Uh, the place was so jam-packed. Uh, there was a line out the door uh, even when the game had already started, uh, and they were late cutting to the game, and once they finally did, uh, uh, it was kind of in review with Tate Forcier uh, throwing his first touchdown against Western Michigan, and everyone outside started cheering. Everyone was going crazy. Place stayed pretty packed, uh, wall to wall, the entire, pretty much the entire season. Uh, kind of died off a little bit come the Wisconsin game, uh, second to last game of the season because uh, Michigan wasn't uh, wasn't that good that year. Uh, but that that was a pretty uh, pretty great experience. You got probably. Uh, hundred Michigan fans all to watch the game there. I know that they've uh, they've broken it up into like three or four different places in LA yeah. now. I know the parlor is one of them. Uh, I think a place called Brick and Mortar uh, is uh, another one, but I'm not really sure what they are now because they keep on switching them every couple of years. All right, all right, Steve, you don't have a favorite bar to watch a Michigan game, right? No, not at all. It's uh, so if you like don't have any friends and you need, like, a common bond uh, through Michigan to, to go to a bar and watch a game, uh, that's great. Uh, I have a lot of friends, so, and I've never, <laughs> like, I've never been dis, never been displaced uh, in an area where I don't know anybody to watch a Michigan game with. So uh, my biggest thing, uh, grow, I mean, pretty much since I can remember, uh, getting the 65-inch, 70-inch TV, uh, getting 10 to 15 of your best buddies over, uh, making up a bunch of food, maybe a pony. Like we've had ponies plenty of times in the past. Uh, you, you know, just your typical, hey, let's all chip in and get uh, a decent pony. 
and you watch the game with the people that you're closest to, the people you've kind of grown up experiencing uh, Michigan with. So, yeah, I mean, I'm like I'm like the you, I'm the last person you'd ever see at like a Buffalo Wild Wings or uh, anything mm-hmm. like that to watch a Michigan game, uh, unless I absolutely have no other avenue uh, to view it, which really I, I can't remember a time that that's been the case. So, yeah, like if you're in Isaiah's position, you're in Los Angeles, uh, you're not like from at home or in your hometown, that's, you know, obviously you want to try to connect with people that, uh, you know, there is a common bond there. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that's never something I've had to – I've either been at home uh, watching it with my friends or I've been, you know, attending Michigan, watching it with my classmates, roommates, friends there. So, uh, so yeah, I mean, but if you choose, I, I just think it's kind of, you know, peculiar to, like, want to go to a bar. Uh, you can be – less responsible at home uh you know <laughs> watching the game if you have like you know even with just a couple friends you know that's just always been kind of my my philosophy uh but yeah i mean if you're displaced you know i know you see on the mgo blog board there's always you know where can i watch michigan at you know this malaysian bar uh that i am in right now you know so you know there's there's that aspect of it i understand that but uh you know i've never really had to go through that Thankfully, because uh, it'd be really depressing to drink with strangers, uh, you know, if uh, well, like in, if you're in 09, like Isaiah's watching Michigan in 2009 in Los Angeles, like that'd be really depressing to watch the 2009 Michigan football team with a bunch of people you don't know. Uh, so, yeah, so kind of my take on it. Uh, yeah, I, I, you, know. you kind of convinced me because I've never actually watched a game that I wanted to know the result of at a bar like it's usually just games that are on i mean thankfully i'm at most of the games doing my job and reporting on it but yeah i guess i guess i could see where that's that is you know and it's like if you if you really need buddies and you you want to bond over michigan this is my advice to listeners is find the alumni association like even if you aren't even if you aren't a part of the association uh there's a lot of people in those groups that really want other Michigan fans in their in their friend circles so can I tell you one really really fun quick story about yeah. that uh, uh, one one time coming from south I had a friend that uh, I have a friend that's a really big Buckeye fan that I used to work with out there and he used to want to watch college all college football games that far it's just thing just to feed his uh, his drinking habit uh, we were relatively new to LA and everything and he asked me to go. He's like, all right, after you get done being at South watching Michigan games, I'm watch the Buckeye game. And I had that MGO blog shirt that said, worst state ever, had the Ohio, you know, uh, outline of the state on there. And uh, so I was like, all right, usually we went to this place uh, in uh, kind of like inner mid-city type area. And he's like, oh, come to this place in Hollywood. So I went up there, and it was, ended up being – an Ohio State sanctioned bar to watch the Ohio State USC game, and I walked in wearing a blue shirt with a maze outline of the state of Ohio. It says "Worst State Ever." I actually, I know it sounds kind of like something you know you wouldn't recommend, but uh, I actually highly recommend having an experience like that. That was a uh, that's a that's a bit more fun, I think. But granted, <laughs> being a little bit more of an instigator, but yeah, I digress. Yep. Well, you know. It's it's up to you guys, as far as the listeners go, what you do. Uh, I I'm probably team team find some friends and and do it your own way. Uh, also saves you money, I would assume, uh, doing it Steve's method versus you know the eight dollar drinks or or whatever. 
Uh, we got another another off-topic question. This one comes from NS Go Blue, who says, "Would you rather fight one Brian Monet-sized Drake Harris or three Drake Harris-sized Brian Monets?" Uh, I always like these questions, you know, but generally the this seems a little lopsided. It's not like Drake Harris is half the size of Brian Monet, um, so I would I would take the one Brian Monet one Brian Monet-sized Drake Harris. Because it's not, it's like what's the, it's like five, it's like ten five-year-olds or five ten-year-olds or something like that. Like there's all those other ones. This one seems pretty obvious. Yeah, I yeah I agree. I mean it's that's kind of a funny question. Uh, to go back to our to our bar thing though, real quick, I you you want to be team find some friends. Uh, I'd rather be part of team have some friends. Look, man, already. not everyone already so, has friends. <laughs> okay, I just make this. <laughs> want to drive that point home sorry i couldn't resist that but uh but no uh yeah whatever one avoids monet uh would be the people i would want to fight i don't mean that as a disrespect to drake uh who could probably you know he's an athlete i'm sure he can throw hands uh but uh monet is a monster uh even just going back to his high school film which i think when we broke him down back in the tremendous days we described it as like a b-level horror flick um, in the way he would like literally pick people up and throw them. Uh, so yeah, I'd, I'd rather avoid Monet at all costs and at least take my chance, uh, against somebody who's at least closer to my size. Again, still a D1 athlete who would. Oh, so you would whoop. take the three Drake Harris sized Brian Monet's instead of the one Monet sized Drake Harris. Yeah. Whoever's the bigger one. I'd rather, I'd avoid, I'd want to take avoid three of them though. I'd rather avoid. Yeah, I want three skinnier guys versus oh. one really big guy. Okay. Because I mean, again, maybe the three. I don't know. That's kind of a hard question. Uh, not one I necessarily will spend a lot of energy thinking about later, but uh, but it is one that I guess is kind of interesting. But I'd rather avoid the big hulking guy who could just literally pick you up and <laughs> end you. So. What do you think, Isaiah? Well, if if uh, if any of you guys have a uh, listening read my recent update on uh drake harris at the inside intel that i posted on uh wednesday evening uh he's kind of kind of getting up there a little bit so i kind of i kind of would rather i'd rather not take on three of those i mean that that starts getting to be quite you know quite a bit i'd I'd rather take the one uh i'll take the one uh drake harris uh brian monet guy it's like uh you know, I think it's all about leverage. You know, getting good pad level. Uh, not that I'm any necessarily any good at that, but I'll, yeah, okay. I'll take my chances with one rather than than three. I don't know that I have the tenacity to do that. And I'm I'm pretty I'm a pretty strong guy and everything, and I'm pretty big in my own right. But uh, I'd rather go one on one instead of trying to deal with guys coming from you every angle, especially with the tenacity that Brian Monet would have being cut into three. Drake Harris size characters. That sounds a, a little daunting to me. Yeah, because they're still big. Also, Isaiah, I just realized if you could get over yourself and call yourself Zeke, the Zeke and Zach show is really catchy. No, be a great title. I grew know. up in the era of Isaiah Thomas. And yeah, I already have enough of those comparisons. I don't need to continue to uh, uh, try to go closer to them. Also, my name's spelled wrong yeah. on my driver's license because of Isaiah Thomas. <laughs> so I'm I'm not looking to uh, adopt any more comparisons to him even though we're well removed from his era all right all right also love that 
Isaiah's already talked about how strong he is. Steve has already talked about how many friends he has. I'm the most humble, in a shocking twist, I'm the most humble person on this show. Well, let's talk about how humble you are for a while so we can really hammer that home. <laughs> yes, yeah, I'm the right, humblest person right. around. No. Uh, all right, we'll move on. We had Big Ten Media Days in Chicago this week. Uh, if you have not checked our site in a while, I highly recommend it. We've got tons of stuff. There's going to be tons of stuff all weekend, uh, something in the range of you know, 60 stories between Isaiah and myself, uh, getting some insight on what opponents think of Michigan, what their storylines are, and also what Michigan thinks of Michigan. And, and one thing that I mentioned in one of those stories the other day, and there will be something about it probably tomorrow, uh, Mason Cole is pretty enamored with this offensive line. He called it more athletic than last year. And let's see, i, I got to pull up this question. This question comes from Dilly HSM, who said, Zach, on your second short wrap-up video from Big Ten Media Days, you were saying that Mason Cole was pushing the belief that Michigan's O-line will be better this year. Can you go into depth more about what he was saying? It's hard to think the line will be worse, considering none of the three seniors got drafted. Uh, the best of the three, Eric Magnuson, was serviceable at best. That's probably a pretty good description. I, I do want to get your guys' thoughts on this in a second. He did. I don't know if he said better. I might have I might have gotten lost in the Facebook Live kerfluffle, but he definitely said more athletic, and I think most people have uh, can agree with that. You know, people that have watched the film, who have watched practices, uh, who have gotten to know some of the guys, it is going to be more athletic. It's it's you know a little less stiff. Uh, I think certainly you do like experience and you do like chemistry, but I think anyone who watched the Iowa, Ohio State, and Florida State games knows that at some point you just have to be able to go toe-to-toe with the better defensive lines, and Michigan's offensive line last season wasn't exactly inept at doing so. So I think more athleticism could be good. It could give them a little bit of a, a comparative advantage in, in one area, You know, maybe allow them to win a couple more matchups. Uh, certainly some question marks, but... Yeah, I mean, if you have three senior offensive linemen at a school like Michigan and none of them get drafted, probably a bit of an underachieving group uh, and and plenty of room for improvement, I think it's there. I mean, everyone that Harbaugh has worked with and Drevno has worked with since getting to Michigan that, you know, were underclassmen they inherited, they've all seemed to turn out. You know, Grant Newsome, Mason Cole, Ben Bredesen, Good word so far about Michael and Wienu. Uh So I, I, I'm not ready to call it better yet, but certainly he, he was pretty adamant that it was more athletic, and I think that actually helps make up for uh, the lack of experience they have. Well, like you said, I think before we went on the air that they'll be better in November. Uh, I don't think there's – I'm not going to say there's no doubt, but – you kind of, you know, Kalis, Magnuson, Braden, um, who I, I'll give Braden credit, though, uh, having to shift over, uh, not easy to do in the middle of the season, even for a veteran, uh, you know, did his best at left tackle. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, they were pretty much maxed out known commodities. Uh, I think you saw better performances against inferior opponents maybe in the past just because I think the coaching is better uh you know just that the schematics uh are superior to what they were under Hoke uh you know in that regard but yeah when you're taking on uh yeah Iowa Ohio State 
uh, and obviously Florida State, you know, you it's more than schematics uh, are going to you know win the day for you. So I'm I'm optimistic. I just it, you know the Grand Newsome loss. Just imagine what this offensive line would look if he was healthy and coming back. It would uh, be set. Yeah. Yeah, he was he was in line to probably been even and I hate I don't want to disparage Mason Cole at all because I think he's a great player. I mean he's going to go down as one of the only players to start uh you know in, god willing with injuries uh to start all four years uh at Michigan which is an amazing achievement uh but I think Newsom if healthy would have been this team's best offensive lineman this year uh he was already on his way I think he was you know they grade the players uh, after every game I think he had been the top graded guy in at least yep. two of the first four games yep. so um and really uh you saw a guy who had that mobility uh, for his size, you know, a guy that could take on edge rushers, but really, and, and I've talked about this a few times before, a guy that could throw it on the outside for the screen game, and they really had to go away from the screen game late in the season because they didn't have another guy that could, could get out there and uh, make those plays uh, as consistently as Newsom was. So I, I think that's a really, you know, it's, it's a massive disappointment that Grant isn't healthy, uh, but even given that, uh, I agree in the idea that I think by the end of the season, uh, I think the unit will be better. There's just better. There's more potential in the guys that haven't seen enough of the field. And Ben Bredesen, I mean, he was one of the guys mm-hmm. I think I did that gallery about five guys who haven't been talked about enough. Um, he was one of the most consistently mentioned guys to me throughout the spring as somebody who's having a great spring. I think people just kind of forget about him uh, as a guy who walked right in as a true freshman and played. Played well, too. Yeah. You know, I think he struggled against Florida State, uh, but who didn't in that game up front? Uh, you know, a guy that, yeah, really was starting to come into his own late in the season, and that's, you know, you, that's a huge asset. Uh, that left side of the line should be really good again this year. Yeah. Uh, really comes down to what Big Mike does and, and you know, whether it's Runyon or or – Bushel Beatty, or if one of these true freshmen come in and win that right tackle job, uh, I think it really comes down to the right side. So uh, fascinating, but yeah, I think Kalis, Braden, Magnuson were kind of maxed out, known commodities by the end of their careers, and uh, you know, they. I think Michigan. I think the staff got about the best they were going to get out of those guys. So Isaiah, I, I do want to get your thoughts on it because we because Dilly SH HSM asked a similar question. Any news on Michael and Weenu's weight and physical shape? I know the staff wanted him to uh, drop some weight to develop some more endurance and get in better shape. Uh, that, that's probably pretty obvious. I, I don't know very many offensive linemen who have thrived at 360 in, in college football. But, Isaiah, you can also add in your, your general thoughts about the offensive line. But uh, what what's what's Big Mike been up to this summer? Do you think the weight has been dropped? Do you think he's taking it seriously, uh, the challenge to get closer to 350, 340? Yeah, as far as everything that I've heard, that the, every, you know, between him and Khalid Hill was the other guy that Harbaugh had mentioned earlier in the summer as the guys that they wanted to kind of get into a certain weight range. Uh, as, as far as that, what we've heard uh, from Harbaugh and otherwise is that they're on track to where they want them to be. It certainly sounds like they're that they're right there. I'm, uh, the thing about uh, I kind of wanted to go off of what Steve said, especially with Onwenu. Uh, the whole idea of mobility, that's something that he, despite his size, regardless if he did report at 360 or 340, uh, I 
think that's where you're really going to see the upgrade in the offensive line because he can move, I think, a lot better than than what we saw from some of these guys that were on the team before. Uh, I, one of the things that, like I, I mentioned this last week, is to not be discounted is the addition of Greg Fry to the staff as well because that kind of feeds into the whole idea of the athleticism and the mobility, especially getting these guys relatively early in their careers, even though we're, you know, we're seeing some redshirt sophomores and true sophomores uh, potentially uh, being there in the starting positions on the offensive line. But you can't discount the fact that they're getting a lot more consistency and coaching and the idea that they're going to be able to be getting essentially the right information uh, right off the bat. We saw a lot of struggling from, uh, very particularly Kyle Kalis, and I, I always was a little bit more uh, bullish on Kalis than, than most, uh, but he did obviously struggle uh, quite a bit, and a lot of that was conflicting information in his head. Uh, try, he kind of he, he had admitted uh, time and time again that there, there was a lot of the old information in his head, and even though you're seeing some shift in the way the offensive line is going to run from a coaching standpoint with Fry coming in, uh, I think that you're going to see that these guys from the get-go have a lot more of a clear idea of what they're supposed to do, and I think that's going to really help them be better in November uh, than they were before. Uh, and with Anwenu particularly, uh, as, like I said, as far as I've heard, he's, he seems to be like he's on the right track. I think he's going to be an absolute monster. Uh, obviously, he was a guy that wasn't destined for a starting role last year. Uh, obviously, wasn't also going to be a guy that was going to be playing major minutes, but they, he was a guy that they wanted to see on the field. And they, we saw him on both sides of the ball because he's a guy that can absolutely disrupt, uh, a guy that can play defensive tackle, playing at right guard. I mean, mm-hmm. that's, that's kind of a, a perfect scenario in the sense that he can be a, someone who comes in and can absolutely stonewall uh, a player, or he can go around him if he needs to. Uh, obviously, on the offensive line, he won't need to go around them. But the fact that he has that ability and that kind of speed and violence is something that's going to be a huge boon for this offensive line. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. And, you know, going back to the coaches thing, I mean, Mason Cole kind of broke it down. He was like, you know, in schools, you always want classrooms as small as possible with as many teachers working with as few students as possible. I mean, it's just it's just how it works. If you can have more individualized attention you can have a, you can develop a lot more and this offensive line needs development i mean i i think it won't be as bad as some people think uh but it it certainly can benefit from having more people working with them more sets of eyes on them uh and let's move on to the defensive side of the ball cuz cuz we got a couple questions uh, stemming from media day updates isaiah i know you have kind of provided updates on all of these players, but Luigi Villain, Quiddy Pay have been reported. Harbaugh said this on Tuesday that they're moving to linebacker. And then we had a question about Grant Perry and what exactly his, his status is with the team. Like, is he going to play in games? Is he going to be able to practice in full practice? You know, maybe certain practices, uh, starting with Luigi and Quiddy and then Grant Perry. Uh, what, what are you hearing so far? Uh, well, I, I would say that I wouldn't call it a move to linebacker. They will get an opportunity there. Uh, something Harbaugh mentioned. Uh, he mentioned them twice. He mentioned them right after the after his uh, appearance on the dais uh, when we when we all kind of got him real quick for about 15 minutes. He mentioned how good they've looked since they've come in. 
Both of them are guys that came in June. Uh, Quiddy Pays is uh, someone that he mentioned has come in 20 pounds heavier than when they signed him, and that was all good weight, not bad weight. Uh, both of them are a little bit undersized for what you'd want to see on the defensive line, on defensive end. Uh, Luigi Villain right now is about 245 pounds. Uh, so they're guys that could really come in and play kind of a little bit more of a outside linebacker. That's where they want to see him. Think of uh, Mario Ojemudia in a way, uh, the uh, guys that can come in, be a boon at linebacker, uh, as, as, you know, especially because that they're not going to be ready yet uh, for defensive line. So it will be really exciting to see uh, what, what they're, if they're able to come in and make an impact right off the bat. Uh, Harbaugh was really effusive in that, came off of uh, my question on Devin Bush and what he was going to do, and he proffered that info that those were two guys that he's looking at to come in and be able to, to contribute right away. Uh, and Grant Perry, uh, someone we've talked about a little bit as well, uh, he's back with the team as Harbaugh confirmed back in June, uh, but he's, that, that should mean he'll be able to practice and everything, but at the same time he's not going to play until his legal issues are resolved. Uh, fully, they're not going to put him in any games until that until that's fully resolved, and we expect that to be. So we'll see what when that actually happens. Uh, not really sure of the timeline. Uh, sounds like it's going to be a relatively early season, but he probably won't be in the first couple games. Okay, okay, and you know we didn't get we we've done a lot of stories from Big Ten Media Day, so some stuff can get kind of lost in the in the fluff and I, I want to hear from you too Steve as you were someone who kind of had a different perspective following it uh, not from Chicago but wanted to get your guys' biggest takeaways from the media days I'll start with mine uh, and that was I did not realize I mean I kind of realized it but I did not fully realize how seriously Michigan was taking the one and three finish last season because uh, you, you they obviously in most press conferences, they're trying to be positive and talking about the future. Uh, you know, Harbaugh, I know he was saying it a lot in jest, but talking about how he's not he's not having any fun. He didn't pack a suit. He packed his toothbrush uh, and a good attitude and his t- typical coaching attire. He seemed, which is somehow more business-like than wearing the suit to media day uh, in my eyes. So I, I was kind of surprised, and Mason Cole said a lot of similar things, like talking about how he thinks about it every single day. The one and three finish, which again, probably pretty obvious, probably what you want. I was surprised though that it was still such a big deal, rather than simply, oh, we'll just try to win a lot of games this season. Uh, but Isaiah, uh, what was your biggest surprise or takeaway or your thought as you departed from Chicago? My biggest takeaways actually were from talking to some of the guys that had nothing to do with uh, actual football play uh, on the field right now. Uh, as some of you might have seen, I've posted some articles from my conversations with uh, former head, uh, NFL head coach Dave Wanstead and uh, also uh, Joel Klatt, the color, uh, color analyst for Fox Sports 1. Uh, he'll be calling some Michigan games. He's a guy that's been really, really uh, much in Harbaugh's corner ever since he came to Ann Arbor. Uh they all seem so optimistic that this is going to be, despite the, the youth, as long as, as long as this, uh, the secondary can come together particularly, that, that Michigan's going to be in a great position this upcoming season. Uh, I keep on hearing that it's a good shot that they won't be 
that they that they could take a big step back, but they weren't so sure that that's going to be the case, considering uh, considering the coaching and considering the high level of players that are stepping into starting roles. Like uh, Bruce Feldman was mentioning to me that you, you talk about all these guys that hadn't started before, but a lot of those guys are like on the defensive line, for instance. All four of those guys have got extensive playing time, and particularly Rashawn Gary, and he's someone that Harbaugh mentioned over and over again, uh, probably more than any other player. Uh, is get, everyone's looking to see what these guys are going to be able to do now that they're going to be full-time, considering we saw them in a little bit of limited time this past season, and they were absolutely disruptive. So uh, my big takeaway was just the respect that Michigan's getting from uh, some of these national analysts that see all, you know, all the talent that they actually have. It's just a matter of can the younger players who haven't played as much be cohesive and come in and make an impact and learn quickly on the fly as the, mm-hmm. you know, live bullets line. Yeah. Yeah, certainly other other teams said that too. You know, they, they really aren't expecting much of a drop off, especially on defense. Steve, I don't know how closely you followed Media Days, but certainly you you were you were in touch uh with, with a lot of the content. What stood out to you uh that came out of Chicago? Uh I want to go back. You were talking about Quiddy and Villain. Uh The fact that Jim Harbaugh is already mentioning Quiddy Pay is amazing and is like the best possible case scenario for Michigan's defensive line recruiting. Uh, a Don Brown guy recruited at Boston College who was underranked, under-recruited, uh, already being mentioned by Harbaugh uh, at really the first possible press conference he could mention him in is, uh, man, I mean, they got to be salivating at his potential. Um, I, if, if, if Quiddy and, and Darren, Duran Irving Bay uh, turn out, Michigan's defensive line is going to be scary uh, for a really long time. So uh, I assume the linebacker stuff is more about, hey, these guys might be good enough for us to just get them some experience this year. Uh, Valaine is, is Valaine. I mean, he's going to be a guy. I mean, there's just no doubt about it. Really still – one of the most under, I don't want to say appreciated, but under-talked about and under-respected, like disrespected uh, recruiting wins that Michigan's had in a long time. Really a guy that we had as almost a five-star by the end of the cycle. Uh, so to hear Harbaugh mention uh, Quiddy right away is, uh, man, that's huge. Uh, you can't ask for much more than that. I mean, he was the lowest-ranked player in the class outside of Brad Robbins. So, uh, you know, again, as fans whine and cry about the Luke Schoenmaker commitment the other day, uh, Michigan's lowest-ranked recruit in their best class ever is already being mentioned by Jim Harbaugh in the first press conference he can mention him in. So, uh, yeah, so media day, probably, again, I, I, it's, it's always hard to know if these writers are just trolling for clicks or, if, you know, but the, the whole Harbaugh wearing out his welcome stuff is, puzzling to me it just he i guess i really out his welcome yeah it's uh uh yes just national writers just have no pulse on the michigan fan base or market or whatever uh harbaugh's an easy lightning rod for clicks and reactions because the michigan fan base is so widespread and so 
rabid. Uh, you know, as a fan base, yep, you know, they haven't, the right when, word. <laughs> yeah, haven't won a national or a, a Big Ten championship since '04. You know, and it's a, so it's a, and it's a program that's used to winning Big Ten championships. You know, so the the desperation grows uh, every year. That's why there are people who are naive and and moronic enough to say that this year's Ohio State game is a must win for Jim Harbaugh. Again, is maybe dumber than the national pundits saying that he may wear out his welcome. Uh, you know, but just so off base. Uh, 20 wins his first two seasons. He put 14 guys in the pros, uh, a school record. Uh, you know, this Michigan is could not be in a better place uh, than they, you know, given where they were two years ago. You really couldn't ask for much more than three losses by five combined points, two on the last play of the game, one on essentially the, you know, one of the two or three last plays of the game in the last minute. So, um, you know, I think in a way Harbaugh's been a, a and maybe in some uh, insane circles, has been a victim of his own success. Uh, he's raised the bar very quickly, so people are, ex- the expectations are, uh, you know, sky high. I don't think they mind that. I assume that that's what you want. Uh, but again, I mean, 20 and 6, one, again, one of the losses was the first game with, you know, a Jake Rudock, who at the time would have been sitting on the bench at Iowa, uh, you know, and then would go on to win 10 games with that roster, one of which, one of the losses of which was on one of the biggest miracle plays you'll ever see in college football history. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's mind blowing really to think about how close this program is to having 11 and 12 wins in the last two years and the first two years under, you know, a coach who's not even using his own players. So yeah, four um, last I cover, minute losses. Yeah. Right. You know, I've covered the recruit. I do, you know, I'm obviously more the recruiting side, so I know what the future, or at least have a sense. You know, I don't know, but I have a sense <laughs> of what the future holds and uh, they're recruiting. They've recruited at such a high level the last two cycles, uh, you know, especially at quarterback, we talk about a lot. The quarterback position should be set for the foreseeable future. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I mean, just some yeah, of these people don't. I think they, I think it, they went into it, and Harbaugh sniffed it out. Right, for what it's right. Worth. He he said, "It sounds like you want me to say a certain thing." Right, right. So. He knows. He knows. Well, yeah, he he's he's he knows. I mean, he's. He knows that he's a lightning rod, right? I mean, he he must. I mean, he's he's not an idiot, uh, you know. And so, it's but it's just it's just comical to me because uh, you know there are some. Again, I think your far leaning segments of the fan base that might not disagree. Uh, it's just crazy to me that there are people out there that really do think that. Well, uh, yeah, people people don't people think that ev- everyone is annoyed by Harbaugh's antics. I mean, writers around here love it because it gives us something to write about but like fans enjoy it i mean you know like the the silly stuff like going to camp michigania or like taking part in the graveyard walk like fans adore that stuff they wish more coaches were like it so yeah it's it, it that was kind of a silly story to me well, it makes me also wonder with the, the you know the guys that are writing some of these articles that were asking some of these questions about uh if his act is going to wear thin if they if they lose these were some of the same guys I'm pretty sure that were writing, you know, a couple years ago saying that fans need to be patient with Harbaugh when he comes because he's inheriting a disaster and they'll be lucky if they make a bowl game and you know, year one and people should be looking more towards year four for Michigan to be back in contention and he turned it around pretty close to immediately, uh, like Steve said, and 
with a roster that people said was devoid of talent. And it's funny how it goes from that roster has absolutely no talent to the 11 draft picks and 17 players, you know, signed to the NFL. And now we're talking that, you know, maybe, you know, with all this youth that they won't be able to, to perform at a high level. It's, to me, it's kind of comical that that ends up becoming, the narrative ends up coming back around essentially. Uh, but in a way, in a, and they're trying to kind of frame it in an absolutely opposite light. You know, they were saying back when yeah. he started that he couldn't win. Now they're saying, well, looks like maybe you might be in a position where you're not going to be able to win again. Uh, are people going to hate you now? That's, of course, <laughs> he was going to be bristly at that because it's kind of like, well, look at my track record. Yeah. And it seems, yeah. Yeah, we, we could probably talk about it all day. Uh, no, I want to say one more thing. Oh, go ahead. Okay, good. I thought you were going to try to segue that. I was like, I had to. I have I it ready, you. but you can say I had, to prevent, I had to prevent you from doing that. So here's my thing. Wait. So, yeah, so, you know, marketing, you know, every college football coach has to be a marketer in some to some extent. Uh, so it's like, you know, can't deny that there are going to be times where things may be somewhat contrived, I guess, in, in some fashions. But Harbaugh, I feel like, does it in a way that's still like him. And I, I think it really catches people off guard in this in today's, I don't know, I don't want to go all grand and say society, but just in today's atmosphere for a guy just to kind of be who he is. Uh, and it, I think it just really confuses people and they don't get it. So they kind of, you know, like, like then you, you get the, it's an act type thing. And, and you guys have been around Harbaugh plenty. It's not an act. He's just a different guy. He, he approaches things the way he approaches things. There's no, I, I, you know, there's a rhyme or reason to it, but there's no, you know, there's no formula that we have, you know, to that we can, you know, learn or figure out what that rhyme or reason is. But he just, you know what I mean? Uh, it's it's not, uh, it's it's different. He has his own stamp. He puts his own stamp on things. Mm-hmm. And I think it just, it confuses and frustrates people that don't understand it. And that's why you get the whole, it's an act. Like he's wearing on his welcome. It's the stupidest thing. Uh, as if any guy in his position wouldn't have left Stanford to coach the San Francisco frickin' 49ers in the <laughs> NFL, and then turns them around, uh, you know, and takes them to three straight NFC championships, almost wins a Super Bowl, uh, and then his management yeah. uh, completely duffs it up, and you see where that franchise is now. Uh, you know, so it's. Nah, you know, it's just, I think they just needed something, something to write about that wasn't Harbaugh. You know, because they they were probably told by their editors, lead with Harbaugh. Right. But right. he didn't. He made it. He really was. Uh, it was a very subdued media day for him. He didn't say anything that silly. You know, he he didn't didn't really seem as engaged or didn't seem to be as much buzz around him as there was in the past. And got out of Dodge early. Started that uh, the podium session yeah. forty five minutes early. And talk about it. And, and they and I'm they literally sore. were. <laughs> We're like, all right, let's let's go. Normally, we get the players for an hour. Yeah, we, we got, got a flight to catch because we scheduled our flight when we were supposed to be talking. Uh, oh well, <laughs> not not my favorite. But Steve did bring up a good point about. Seems like Harbaugh is not only built with what he was given; he is building for the future. And this weekend could be a big part of that. The barbecue at the big house. We've talked about it a couple times on the podcast. Uh, pretty pretty big event. One of the bigger recruiting events Michigan has uh, throughout the summer. It's, it seems like a really fun event. They get scavenger hunts. They go by position groups. 
Good chance for recruits to bond and get to know each other. And first, we have a question. Uh, this one comes from Dylan Zukowski, who it's his first por- board post. So welcome to the board, Dylan. I hope you like it. I hope you waited through 40 minutes to, to hear this question. He said, Zach, who is the most important recruit left on the board for us? Uh, Dylan, you're new. I don't cover uh, football recruiting very much. I'm more of a basketball guy, so I'll go ahead and answer the basketball side because there is some news. You know, there's reports that they are close to hiring both of their assistant coaches. Uh, They're in the final week of the evaluation period for the summer. I'd say the the number one guy to keep an eye on is Iggy Brisdykis. I think he's probably – I've always – I've said for the entire – for months now that he is the best player Michigan has offered – uh, just looking at his film, he just seems like someone that's going to be a double-digit scorer right away for Michigan. Uh, very easy offense. Seems like he has a good good sense on defense. Great size, 6'8", 220, but he plays the three position. Uh, also keep an eye on Nate Hinton, Hunter Tyson, and Noah Locke. Noah Locke might be getting some of the blue, bu- blue blood teams involved. Uh, we'll see what where things go with there. But Michigan got their foot in the door early. They certainly... Uh, are on Noah Locke's short list as well. He's very good, probably the best shooter in the 2018 class. So that's a couple guys guys I would think of. Brzezikas and Locke, in that order, probably the number one and number two. Steve, uh, looking at this football recruiting board for 2018, uh, who who is the most important recruit that's that's still out there? Uh, it's it's got to be Mustafa Muhammad uh, at tight end. I think it's more of a numbers thing than it is. Uh, it is talent too. You know, they want to, I think they obviously you always want an instant impact guy uh, in any position in any cycle. Uh, but they need, they just need at least one more tight end in this class. Obviously uh, there's no other position I look at maybe safety, uh, you know, where I think they might need a guy, uh, a pure safety to bring in. Uh, maybe a Brian Addison is probably actually skyrocketed his way up there important board in my opinion i guess the last couple months uh but it's got to be mustafa you didn't sign anybody in 17 you lose uh devin asiasi to transfer uh, out of the 16 class there's a lot of young talent at the position you know with wheatley and eubanks and uh, McCune, who uh again a lowly ranked under recruited player mentioned by jim harbaugh during big 10 media days uh you know they pick up the guy that i Basically, was told they look at in the almost the exact same light as McCune in in Schoenmaker the other day, uh, who will be this cycle's. Why didn't we take a guy with more stars? Guy, um, you know, at tight end is a guy that they feel like they're going to develop and turn into a player. Uh, and again, you see McCune is a guy that's definitely going to play this year. As uh, we had him ranked three points lower than what we have Schoenmaker ranked, uh, but from a pure numbers standpoint. And just because Michigan has been here for a really long time uh, is probably their most important remaining target. After you miss on Jeremy Ruckert, yeah. uh, which again, which again, it's definitely a, it's definitely a disappointing loss uh, for them. Uh, he's going to be a great player. I know everyone wants to, you know, Ohio State doesn't use the tight ends, blah blah blah. I just think Ruckert's just a good enough player to where they're going to have to find ways to get him involved at Ohio State, and they, I don't doubt that they will in some capacity. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, definitely a loss there, but as I've always said, tight end quarterback, the two positions that Michigan recruits that you should never doubt a guy that they're willing to take a verbal commitment from. Yeah, uh, they just, 
the track record is a mile long at both positions, and they've recruited and developed all different kinds of players there. So, uh, But it is. It's still Mustafa just because they, they absolutely have to get another tight end in this class. They have the best shot with him, and he's the best player left on their board that they've right. offered. Well, we'll keep an eye on, on Mustafa. And we also got a question about the barbecue at the big house. Uh, JB374, a regular question asker, which we always appreciate, asks, will you guys be attending the barbecue this weekend? No, we won't. Uh, Steve can tell you why if he feels like it. But uh, he also asks, it probably varies per recruit, but what do you pay attention to to see if a visit is productive? And perhaps both you guys can weigh in on this. Because obviously, if a player commits, that's that's a productive one. But what are some other signs as to what entails a meeting going well? Uh, so yeah, we definitely won't be at the barbecue. We're not going to be weird and stake people out in the parking lot. We'll just throw that in there. Um, you know, the funny thing is, I think in most cases, I think just the act of attending the barbecue is more important than what may go on during the actual visit just because it's the middle of the summer. Yes, there may be some guys that are going to commit at the time, but a lot of the bigger type targets aren't going to. But for like, for instance, like just the fact that a guy like Brian Addison is flying all the way in from California to come in and visit for this, I think that's a bigger deal than maybe what he'll learn about the program while he's on the visit. The reason being it's, they're going to have a great visit. Very, very rarely do these visits not go very positively, right? It's not It's not even about that. It's about getting the guy on campus, period. Uh, so, you know, yeah, a commitment. So obviously the best-case scenario, uh, you know, and we'll see what happens there. Uh, but it's, for me, for most of these guys, it's about just getting them on campus, uh, they're getting, bringing guys from all over the country for this event, which is really impressive. Uh, you got Germay, the, the offensive tackle, coming up from Texas. That's all of a sudden a really important visit for a guy. I think Michigan. They'd probably, I'm sure they'd probably be in the top five for him. But they, you know, I know like Texas has felt good about him for a while. I know LSU at, at one point felt like they were pretty in pretty good shape with him too. You know, so there's, uh, you know, they could fight fight there. But again, it's his first visit. That's why it's big. You get a kid to pay on his to come all the way across the country on his own dime, uh, and make the and make the visit. And that goes for 18s and 19s, uh, you know, because it's not official visit season, so none of it's paid for. So you know, if a guy comes, that there's interest and that there's a real shot. Uh, if you look back historically at some of the the guys they have hosted for these events in the past, it's usually guys they end up being in the hunt for until the end, uh, unless they choose to look elsewhere. Now they don't win all of them, obviously. Uh, but like a good example would be like Aaron Banks last year as a guy who came all the way out from California. Uh, that recruitment was so weird at the end, but still feel like if Michigan had really, really wanted him that they would have gotten him. He committed to Notre Dame instead. So um, I'm sure our Notre Dame listeners will love hearing that on the heels of the Shane Simons situation. So, um, so yeah, so I really, I, I actually lean more towards it. Just, just the guys actually physically being there. Uh, this staff has done a great job with guys on campus. Um, I don't doubt they will. This event always goes really well. It's very well organized. Uh, it's more about the academic and social side of things than it is the football side. Uh, you know, the food is great, too, which, again, not I wouldn't say it's a minimal factor. Uh, it's, 
like a moderate factor. Kids love food. Uh, I think we may have even randomly talked about this last time. But Florida State has this honey fried chicken that is like literally it's an actual recruiting draw. Uh, kids like constantly talk about it when they talk about their visit to Florida State. So Michigan goes above and beyond with the food too. Uh, can always help when you're feeding 300 plus pound uh, D1 athletes. So yeah, I mean I I, I just in short I, I think it's more about them physically just being there. To that idea too, with the like you mentioned, the social side. I think that's that ends up being important, uh, and obviously that's kind of what it's all about. Is these these kids want to feel like they can be a part of a family. That's, that's the thing I hear most from the recruits that I talk to, uh, more so than you know. They always kind of give the nod to while well, I'm looking at academics, but it almost seems like more importantly is can I go someplace and feel like I'm part, you know, like, like I'm part of something and getting to be around guys that are already committed and around guys who are already on the team, that's, that plays a big role, I think, in, in an event like this. They get to, to see, like, do, how do I fit in to, a, to this particular situation? Did, does this feel like a situation in which I can come and, you know, not only will fit in but not be alienated, be able to kind of thrive socially, be able to, to you know, will these coaches, do I get along with them on a, on a personal level? And I think that's, uh, that's one of the big things once they actually do get there, that uh, makes it such a successful event. And, you know, we talk about broadly, uh, and Isaiah, you can jump in too, but Steve, you've been kind of previewing the barbecue at the big house for our readers. What are some big storylines or things to keep an eye on uh, from this event? I mean, is it going to be a commitment-heavy one, or, or is this, or are there other things to keep an eye on? Uh, commitment heavy. I don't know. I'll write about that probably later. I don't like to expound too much. There's a couple names I think fans are pretty aware of right now, uh, guys that may drop this weekend. We'll see if it happens or not. My biggest thing, really, what a list for the junior class. Uh, JT Daniels, Quavaris Crouch, who I, I think is the number one. I think Noah Kane is still the number one running back on our and the composite, I think Crouch is the number one running back in the country. That's a huge visit. He's not one to forget about. Uh, he's he's considering Stanford as well, so he's definitely a kid that's going to give an academic school a chance. And Michigan was one of the, I think, one of the two or three first schools to offer him. So, and he's a Chris Partridge recruit. Uh, Partridge is, I believe, is still the recruiter in North Carolina, and uh, you know he's a, obviously he's a great recruiter for the staff. So that'll. Uh, you know, be a nice, uh, a nice Jay Harbaugh, Chris Partridge combo there. Uh, I think that's you know Stephen Heron Jr., Jacob Lacey. Uh, I mean, I'll, I'm not even going to be able to name, remember all the 19s off the top of my head right now. But their their junior list of visitors is is amazing. So uh, Daniel's probably the most important though, just because he is coming all the way out from California. Uh, you know, Michigan's in it for sure. Just it's. California quarterbacks have been really been staying home as long as the California schools want them, whether it's UCLA, USC, or Stanford. Uh, both USC and Stanford want Daniels badly, so it's not going to be an easy race no matter what way you cut it. Uh, this is going to be Michigan's best chance so far. Uh, a lot of quarterbacks usually commit a little bit earlier. I don't know if he's one of them that's going to go that route. I suspect he will uh, just based off of, my conversations with him in the past, which have been few, but have been noteworthy, I guess. He's he's pretty open about uh, his process. Uh, you know, I I wouldn't I don't think he's a guy, for instance, that's going to drag it out till next year's signing day. I think he'll 
probably verbal uh, sometime well before then. So good shot for Michigan there to kind of state their case in that race. Uh, Addison as well, we kind of talked about him a little bit as a guy who I think Michigan is hoping to impress. Again, I expect them to fully impress. It's really about how does the kid react to being on campus? How much does he like it You know, in the area? How much does he like the coaches? Uh, again, there's no... You know, there's no scavenger item or mm-hmm. piece of food that he's going to eat there that's going to say, "Oh man, I think Michigan is my leader now." It'll <laughs> really just—it's always the intangible stuff, the the, the talking to the coaches in person, uh, just the general feel. You know, I, I think probably nine times out of ten, I interview a kid, ask them what they're looking for in a school. They, it's the same thing, and you can't blame them because that's exactly what I would say. Is it's just, do I feel like this is a place I could live for the next four or five years? So. Uh, you know, it'll really come down to it for that. And being a long-distance kid who is a senior, uh, you know, this will be a big test if, if, you know, long distance is where he wants to go because he's got UCLA, he's got USC, he's got Cal. Uh, you know, he's got a lot of places he could stay close to home and play football at. So that one will be pretty big. Uh, Jacob Lacey, too, uh, not really a guy we've talked a lot about, a four-star defensive tackle in the 19 class. He's pretty close to deciding. Uh, I think he tweeted that out uh, last week. Really, usually when a guy tweets that or says that or reports that, means he kind of knows where he wants to go. Don't necessarily think that's good news for Michigan. Uh, I think Notre Dame is the heavy leader on the crystal ball, but again, I can't reiterate this enough. Michigan is not afraid to recruit against Notre Dame right now with the pressure that's on Brian Kelly to win this year. So uh, if he was a verbal early to Notre Dame, they will approach it just like they're approaching it with Shane Simon and Derek Allen and that they're going to continue to recruit these guys. So, um, you know, at the same time, though, for Notre Dame, Mike Elko, their new defensive coordinator, has been a really, really excellent recruiter for them. I think he's been one of the biggest reasons why they've recruited so well despite coming off a four and eight season. So we'll see there, uh, you know, anytime a kid is relatively close to making a, de- a decision, you know, there's a little, maybe a little bit more pressure there for them to state their case or make a move there. So that one's pretty big. And then Michael Thompson, you know, Willie, not Willie Abianoma show up. I know uh, we were told he's on Michigan's list. And I think it was Tom Van Aaron ESPN said he's supposed to visit Maryland this weekend. So uh, we'll see where he shows up. Uh, it's, this happens all the time. It's why I hate re- trying to report visits before they happen because this happens every single event. You get everybody hyped up about a guy who's coming in, and then you find out he's going to make a change of plan. So uh, <laughs> Michigan was definitely Michigan definitely under the impression that he was supposed to be coming this weekend. So there's that. Um, and again, like I said, Michael Thompson. You know, Sandage, Tyler Friday, Michael Thompson, still the top targets at defensive tackle. Big chance for Michigan. Uh, Will Ronnie Perkins show? I'm thinking he's not going to, uh, but I know he, he had said he's going to try. Uh, if they can get Perkins and Anoma on campus, that'd be huge. They're the two top targets at defensive end. So, you know, I think it's really about the junior class, which we've written and said countless times is going to be a great class. Should be. Uh, I don't see how it won't be. And, uh, yeah, I mean, pretty standard stuff. You know, I know the top guys in the 18 class are going to be there. You know, the the Addisons, the Germais, the guys who haven't been there yet. How how can Michigan – will they impress? Will the kids feel comfortable there? So, you know, we'll uh, – Sure, we'll know how it goes for these guys, even if we don't get their generic quotes on the record afterwards. So, uh, you know, we'll have tons of updates during and po- post barbecues. So, yeah, everybody should uh, keep their eyes open for that. Anoma, I want to speak on him real quick. Just uh, 
just for the sake of, uh, I, I could see him definitely making the trip. Uh, obviously, there's conflicting information, but he's a guy I talked to in June at the satellite camp held at Bowie State. Uh, talked to him away from the coaches, which is always a, a really important factor, but he was pretty adamant that he wanted to get up to Ann Arbor sooner than later uh, for an unofficial. Uh, the guy that talked about potentially making the official, but that's uh, it, 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 he's a guy that really Michigan, like he said, really wants. He wants to really check it out. Uh, he's a guy, guy wanted to get there in June, but he ended up uh, not making it. So uh, the optimal thing is to get him here at the barbecue, and we'll see if that actually happens. But uh, interest is definitely mutual. All right, well, there you go. There's lots to look forward to at the Big House Barbecue. Uh, even more uh, to look forward to in the coming weeks and, and days and months. Football practice begins July 31st, so next Monday they'll have their big recruiting event. We'll have tons of coverage, and then practice begins, and we hope to have a lot of coverage there too. Uh, For Steve and Isaiah, I'm Zach Shaw. This has been the Wolverine 24-7 Podcast. Hope you had fun. Hope you learned something. Uh, we We had fun. We certainly appreciated all the questions and the readers and the people that make this possible. The numbers are are good coming in as far as people listening and subscribing to this podcast. Uh, Certainly appreciate the love. Anyway, that'll do it for this week, and we will see you next time.